1099 you'll help out the ministry and it's like you know what keep your hanky you do it and let that hanky bless you and prosper you and i'll do it the way the bible tells me to do it but sometimes god may be trying to prosper you and sometimes it comes in the lesson of patience learning to wait upon him so the question is what is prosperity in god's eyes for you well i don't know i couldn't tell you what that is for you but god knows and you just need to trust him in these times. For Hannah right now, it's no child. It's hard to see being without as a form of prosperity. We typically associate prosperity with financial or material wealth, but in God's kingdom, those things simply don't matter. Hannah did not feel prosperous or blessed as she struggled with her barrenness. She felt bitter and defeated. Yet, as Pastor Mark helps us understand in today's message, sometimes in those times of lacking, those times of longing, we can gain a prosperity of eternal nature. God can teach us patience, and we can learn what it means to be fully reliant on Him and find joy despite temporary struggles in this life. Well, let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and join Pastor Mark with today's edition of Come Alive. These two probably never bumped into each other, but on the road trip down to Shiloh, there's probably some antics going on, and Peninnah decides to pick on her. You know, Hannah's probably got some luggage, and and Peninnah's probably like, yeah, too bad you don't have anyone to carry your luggage for you. You know, uh, you know, I could loan you one of my kids. And probably little jokes like if she drops something, oh, why don't you have one of your kids? Oh, you don't have kids, you know. And you know how people jest with each other. Well, this really bothered Hannah. Look at verse 5. It says, but to Hannah, uh, I'm sorry, verse 6, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable. She did it on purpose. See, what happens, we talked last week about Elkanah taking matters into his own hand, having these two wives. One was loved, one was not loved. And so Peninnah, the unloved one, probably thought, well, you know what? I'm going to make life rough for both of these characters. And so she does. She, she provokes her. And therefore she wept and she didn't eat. So they show up to worship and there's a big feast and all this party. And, and Hannah probably was so sick and tired of all the jesting and all the provoking that she couldn't eat. And so she didn't eat, it says. And it seems a bit unfair that gracious Hannah, who would never, you know, lash out. We never read of her lashing out verbally or physically at Peninnah, but Peninnah does. Notice with me in verse 5 and 6, it's mentioned that the Lord had closed her womb a couple of times in those verses. And then it says, a year-by-year pestering, pernicious Peninnah just kept pouring it on and wouldn't leave her alone. And and we could call her razor-tongued Peninnah. She saw to it that Hannah was harassed at every opportunity, and we have to understand that Hannah, you, some of us might be thinking, well, couldn't she just stay at home? Couldn't she just kick it at home by herself and maybe watch TV or something? No, she couldn't. She, it was not allowed. You had to travel to Shiloh. Shiloh was the house of God. It was her duty as well as the duty of all Hebrews to go before the Lord to worship and offer sacrifice and express their love to God. Now, if you're taking notes, let's stop right there. 
and write this down if you take notes. Sometimes that thorn in the flesh will distract you from worshiping God or from going to worship God. You might have plans throughout your day to have some time in, in the Word of God to open up your Bible and read, and there might be some type of a distraction, some type of razor-tongued human being that's in your life that causes you just to stop and stay angry to where you can't focus on God's Word. Maybe in your quiet times in the morning, you review the events of the previous day, and you're like, oh, that jerk, man, if I could just get my hands on him. And 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 that distracts you from God's word. And, and of course, Satan would want you distracted. Satan doesn't want you worshiping God. I mean, when you think about it, he throws everything out there to keep you from God. And so distractions tend to happen. So, you know, Hannah continues to go. She takes the, the heat and she, she puts up with Peninnah. And so she doesn't get a chance just to stay home. And so your heart may be like, man, I really feel sorry for Hannah. But here, here's how this applies for us. When we come to the house of the Lord, we can be distracted. And, and you have been distracted. I've seen some of you get distracted. Maybe someone gets up and, and a couple of heads turn and look that direction. Or somebody comes in and everybody's all like, man, is that a new shirt that dude's wearing? And, and, and somebody else might be like, is that even in style? You know, and all of a sudden you're distracted. You know, one of my favorite ones are, are is when I'm looking over here and I'll be talking and then I move this direction. It doesn't always happen on this side because it happens on this side as well. But I'll move over here. I'll see somebody lean over out of the corner of my eye and start whispering something. And I'm like, now I'm distracted because they did something. And then I'll move back and they'll be like, like they've been paying attention the whole time. And I always laugh because for some reason you guys act like I can't see you, but I can. I can number you. I can name you. And I, I know what you're wearing if you're chewing gum, you know, or the one that I like best is the yawn. Nobody ever wants me to see them yawn. Now, most of you probably will because I'm talking about yawning. And you'll see somebody be like, and they'll do the big yawn, and I'll look over at them, and they're like, <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. And the one that never gets busted is the dude sleeping because he doesn't even know. He's all like, and you're just all like, Really? Praise the Lord, he gets a nap. So, have we been distracted? Sure we have. We've all been distracted. Distractions are going to happen. You might even have someone bugging you on the way to church. There might have been a little argument as you pull into the parking lot. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, Satan doesn't want you to focus on his word and what's being taught and said. No way. I mean, think about it. If you had an enemy and they were planning something to defeat you, wouldn't you send some distractions in to make sure that the forces, the armies, couldn't pull off what they needed to pull off right and smoothly? You would send a distraction. And so sometimes that happens. You might even have, you know, a, a little argument or, you know, you might be thinking right now, well, you know what, there is that guy and I'm going to call him and let him know. No, no, no. You know, we don't even realize that our uh, it's, it, it's our lack. There's a lesson in this for us. If you turn real quick with me, we're only going to turn to one place, James chapter 1. It's in the New Testament. So if you turn all your pages over to the left, and you'll find the book of James. Just keep your finger in, in, in 1 Samuel. James chapter 1, verse 17. And this is a verse we're all familiar with. And, and you may say, oh, I know this, but don't be distracted because you know it. 
I, I want you to pay careful attention to the second half of verse 17 because this is something I want you to know. Look at verse 17 of James chapter 1. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is, here it is, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. And if you want to, if you like to write in your Bible, and it's okay, it's a holy book, but it's yours. God wants you to write in it, I'm sure. I, I mark mine up all the time. Highlight, circle, no variation. Highlighter circle, no variation. There's no fickleness is basically what this is saying in God. He does not say, hey, man, I love you, and then say, oh, no, never mind. Forget it. I was just kidding. You know, you might see somebody that's blessed by God. When we look at Hannah's situation, she doesn't seem, it's easy for us to look and say, oh, you know what? She doesn't seem like God's blessed her. Uh, Penina, on the other hand, has been blessed, but it doesn't seem like she's been blessed But, you know, just hold on there for a second because you will. Because when you see someone that God has blessed, he's not saying I'm blessing them for no reason or no logic behind it. And I'm not blessing you for whatever reason. That's not what God is saying in that situation. When we look at Hannah and Peninnah's situation or even at our own situation, he's not saying that to us that, oh, yeah, just because this guy over here, guy A or girl A is being blessed, but I'm blessing them, you know, and there's just really no reason God doesn't do that. He's a well-thought-out God. And you might be like, well, he's not blessing me like that, and I want that. But there's a reason behind that as well, because you know what? Just because he's not doing it just because. James is saying that's not God. He's not fickle. There's no variation. He's saying that there's no variation, but there's no shadow of turning. See, there's no shadow of turning. God doesn't have a dark side. God is all light. God doesn't have misguided motivation. Someone may have a great share and you may not. And just because you don't have does not mean God is mad or cursing you. A lot of people will think that. A lot of people have that weird religion. We're not religious people. Don't forget that. Religion is what? Man reaching up, trying to reach God. We have a relationship, just like you have a relationship with your spouse. There's communication that takes place. It's called prayer. Uh, There's meeting together, hanging out with each other. We can hang out with God. And and corporately, we do that. Uh, God may have a message from someone on this side of the room to give to someone on that side of the room, and he could use you as that instrument, and we see that he does that often. But see, it doesn't mean that God has a dark side, and it doesn't mean that he has misguided motivation. You know, just because you don't have doesn't mean that God is mad or cursing you. He may be trying to teach you something, and it's still a blessing. It's still a blessing. Just because my definition of a blessing and your definition of a blessing is different, right? That doesn't, I mean, you got to think about it. It's different than God's definition. God says, I know what you need more than I'd rather give you what you want. If we go back to being parents, do you give your children everything they want? Or do you give them the things that they need? If you give them the things that they need, they will grow properly. If you give them everything they want, in the case of my children, sodas and candy all day, you're going to stunt their growth. They'll grow this way rather than this way. Ace is learning that, you know what, when he doesn't eat so well, he tends to be a little more grouchy and grumpy, and he's starting to put these things together. And so sometimes he'll deny the soda. The other day, he actually said, no, he didn't want any more soda. And I'm like, what? You? He's like, yeah. 
I don't want any more soda. It doesn't give me muscles. I was like, okay, cool. And you, you won't get them until you're 13, so drink up, you know. But anyway, but it's just, it's just that, you know. And so it's just not what you want that's okay because it's what you need. And what you need and what God's giving you, if you are not having what you think you should have at that moment, that's perfect. That's perfect. When you sit there and be like, but I don't like it. Well, you're not complaining against anything other than God and his perfect gift for you. And so that thing is perfect. It is God's will to prosper you. It really truly is. God wants to prosper you. The question is, what is prosperity in God's eyes? Not in our own eyes. You'll hear a lot of people saying, well, God wants to prosper you. And if you buy my handkerchief, you know, for $10.99 and you touch it, and you pray over it for two or three weeks, you're going to be rich. So for $10.99, you'll help out the ministry, and it's like, you know what? Keep your hanky. You do it, and let that hanky bless you and prosper you, and I'll do it the way the Bible tells me to do it. But sometimes God may be trying to prosper you, and sometimes it comes in the lesson of patience, learning to wait upon him. So the question is, what is prosperity in God's eyes for you? Well, I don't know. I couldn't tell you what that is for you, but God knows, and you just need to trust him in these times. For Hannah right now, it's no child, and this is a great time for her, and and this experience helped to make her into the woman of character and faith and motivated her to give her best to the Lord. She gave her very, very best to the Lord when you look at what she does, and guess what? That's what real prosperity is. If she draws closer to the Lord during this time because she doesn't have and maybe you don't have right now, and you're drawing closer to the Lord, we see that as she draws closer to the Lord, there are some really cool decisions that are made here. And with these decisions, God gets the glory. So maybe you don't have something. Maybe you're not getting what you feel that you need or want. And so God may be saying, hey, I'm trying to draw you closer to me. I want you to understand that. Look at verse 8. It says, then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than 10 sons? Elkanah can't understand the emotions of his wife. Guys, listen, there are just some things you're not meant to understand. That's all we got to say on that. Verse 9. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Eli's in his ministry. He's doing what he's supposed to do. And it tells us here in verse 10, And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Now, that doesn't mean just because the Lord's trying to prosper you that you need to be all like, oh, cool. He's trying. I love having trials and tribulations in my life. No, don't be weird. Don't freak people out, because you'll see some of those people that are Christians, and they're like, oh, God bless you. Yeah, I know I'm on fire, but hey, that's of the Lord. He wants me to be on fire. No, don't put me out. Don't put me out. We're going to wait for the Lord. Just pray. And you're just like, really? I'm going to go ahead and go against what you think, because that's weird. You'll see those people. They're just strange. Be careful. It's not saying that we have to love the things that we go through. Hannah is in bitterness of soul. She's weeping. She's crying. She's hurting. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with weeping. There's nothing wrong with hurting. But as long as it draws you closer to the Lord, sometimes he uses those things to bring us closer to him. So the meal is over. She rushes away. Uh, Peninnah probably irritated her all throughout dinner. 
and she begins to pray with many tears. With many tears. Psalm 6, 8 tells us, the Lord has heard the voice of our weeping. The voice of our weeping. Have any of you ever prayed weeping? Where you just really don't muster up any words and your heart's just in anguish and you just weep. The Lord hears that. It tells us he hears the voice of the many tears. And there may be nowhere for her to turn. And she did not find comfort in Elkanah's well-meant but inadequate sympathy. And so sometimes, you know, people, we try to run to people or we try to run to different things for, for sympathy or for comfort when we really just need to run to the Lord and just say, hey, Lord, here I am. I hurt. I hurt. You can tell me all day how you hurt. And I may just sit there and be like, wow, I've never experienced that. I have no idea what to tell you, but I can only pray for you. But it's sometimes better for you just to, just to have that anguish and just to spend some time alone with the Lord and just really get with him and just say, Lord, I hurt. Can you fix this problem? And he may tell you back, yes, I'm working on it right now. And there's a lesson in that for you to learn. But Lord, please hurry. I'm trying to teach you patience. Yeah, but can we get it now? I'm still trying to teach you patience. By requesting patience now obviously means you didn't get the lesson. And so she begins to pray with those many tears. She didn't take matters into her own hands like her husband did. She went to the Lord. Look at verse 11. It says, and then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. So we get an eavesdrop in on her prayer. Some of the best prayers are born out of sorrow. You know that? Some of the best prayers are born out of sorrow and suffering. But in spite of how she felt, she laid bare her soul before the Lord. And so notice this prayer. There's a couple of things in here. If you want to take notes, write this down there. Submission. Submission. Hannah submits before the Lord. She presents herself to the Lord as a maidservant. And you got to think about what that word means. The word servant, obviously, it means slave. It's somebody that really doesn't. So she presents herself as a, presents herself as a maidservant. And this means she would do whatever he wanted her to do. Whatever God wants her to do is what he would do or what she would do, no matter what the request. It was a prayer that involved sacrifice, a sacrifice. And it's not that she cut open an animal and laid it on, a, on an altar before the Lord, not that kind of sacrifice, but because she vowed to give her son back to the Lord God to serve him all the days of his life. And as a parent, have we done this with our children? Said, so, you know, we've done baby dedications where we come up here and we pray for the kids and say, Lord, you know, and it's not really for the kids because the kids are usually real small and they have no idea because they're pulling on my ear or drooling or whatever. But it's for us as a church to hold accountable the mom and dad and say, hey, man, are you really doing what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian parent to train up this child in the way that they should go? Are you doing that? It's for us to hold them accountable. It's not a magic prayer. There's not any of those. But it's, up, it's between the mom and the dad and the Lord. It's a, it's a relationship there again. And it's something that daily I dedicate my son and my daughter to the Lord. At night when we pray with them. I, I always ask the Lord, please let him every single day of his life just love you and never depart from your ways. And the same thing for Elia. The same prayer. And I mean it from my heart. I don't want them to walk away from the Lord. 
I would rather them be saved all the days of their lives and somebody be like, wow, your testimony's kind of boring. Praise God I didn't have to put up with kids like me, you know, if that happens. I may, you never know. So it was a prayer that involved sacrifice because she vowed to give her son back to the Lord. And she did ask for him, you know, or she didn't ask for him to be famous or rich. You know, Lord, let him have a lot of money and a really cool house and, and drive nice cars and, oh yeah, so he could help others. No, it wasn't that. She didn't want that for her kid. She didn't want rich riches or prominence. All that matters is that he'll belong to God. And it's easy to look at Peninnah and think, you know what? She's the one who has it good, but we're, we're not looking at it from you know, the right perspective if we think that. When you're like, well, she's got kids, and she's taking them to church. She's doing what she needs to do, and, and Peninnah's got it pretty good. So why is she so bitter? Well, because she's not loved. Because she's not loved. And if we as Americans define, if we go back to prosperity, if we define prosperity, uh, you, you and I might think of cars, money, and wealth, but it, it, it's different than what Jesus Christ defined as prosperity. Think about that. He said, what is it of a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? So think about this. If, if you get everything in the world, all the real estate, if you get the whole world, all the real estate. I mean, you think about how much a lot here in Katy costs just to build a house on to average $40,000. But if you got all the real estate, and in that real estate, you got the mineral rights because that's part of the whole world. Well, then you'd have all the diamond mines. You'd have all the oil in, in the Middle East and whatever else, gold, all the gold mines, silver mines. You'd have everything. But Jesus is saying, if you had all that stuff, it's no good. It's no good. If, if you forfeit your soul, what good is it? If, if you just have it here for the short period of time that you're on earth, what good is it? It didn't better you. Well, yeah, I helped lots of people. Big deal. Where do you go when you die? If you were to die today, where would you go? You hear people say, well, I think heaven. But if I asked you, hey, after church, where are you going to go? Everybody's very positive. Oh, lunch, home, or wherever. Everybody knows for sure. But you think heaven? Well, why would you think that? Are you not sure? That lets me know that you're not sure. And if you're not sure, well, then we need to take care of business. See, keep in mind, we've been told that God so loved the world, not the planet, the world, not the actual round globe, but the people of the world, that he so loved the world that he gave his son to die, to redeem, to buy you back. Buy me back from what? Well, from an eternity in hell. We're so glad you tuned in today to Pastor Mark's teaching here on Come Alive. Pastor Mark has been walking us through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, unlocking the blessings, truth, and love found within its verses. We know that reading God's Word can be difficult to squeeze into your schedule sometimes, so having something to listen to instead can help. With that in mind, we'd like to let you know about our Come Alive podcast. We've made Pastor Mark's messages available to you for free so that you can take them with you on the go, making hearing the Word so much more convenient. Search for Come Alive on iTunes or on Google Play and subscribe to have a notification sent to you as soon as we post new additions. Thanks again for tuning in today to Come Alive. If you'd like to learn more about this ministry and the church behind it, please visit us online at comealiveradio.com. If you're living in or near Katy, Texas, 
We'd also like to invite you to come see us in person at Calvary Chapel Katy. We are a laid-back group of Jesus followers, and we love inviting new people to come join us in seeking the Father and praising His name. Find service times and directions to our church when you visit our website, comealiveradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you continue to find Jesus through His Word and in everything you do. Join us next time for another in-depth look at the Bible, right here on Come Alive.